Hey everybody, this is just a little heads up. Uh, the audio for this episode is a little wonky. Uh, my audio dips in and out at points, um, mainly because I used Zencaster again. And I'm pretty sure this is the last time I'm ever going to use Zencaster because every time I use it, I seem to have audio issues. So, hopefully this last uh, audio warning you get from me. But yeah, um, it's definitely a fun episode. Uh, we have Miles from Best Darn Diddly on. So, yeah, just enjoy. And welcome to Unaired, the show where we take TV shows canceled with episodes left unaired, review them, and then pitch our ideas for what could have been future episodes of those shows. I'm Ed, and with me today we have a guest. We have Miles from the Best Darn Diddly Review Show. Hey Ed, thank you so much for having me on to uh, talk about some terrible TV. I usually talk about pretty good TV, to be honest, so this is going to be a nice change of pace. Yes, you uh, you review The Simpsons episode by episode. I do. It's a lot of fun. We uh, we have a great time. My co-host and I go through each and every episode. Right now, we're in season five, so it's a total pleasure. Some have warned me that when we get to the quote-unquote dreaded teen years, we're going to have some miserable uh, years or seasons on hand, but we're trying not to make any judgments till we actually get there. And so far it's been an absolute treat each and every week. Every episode is just on fire right now. So uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to review the Simpsons. Not even going to lie. Oh yeah. Big time. Uh, watching you or listening to your show has sent me back down the rabbit hole of rewatching older Simpsons episodes. Hell yeah. That's uh that's always a good thing. Oh yeah. Some of those classic episodes are just like so funny so perfect even though like some of the topical humor kind of goes over my head i'm only 23 so like a little bit of it kind of goes over my head but for the most part holds up really well sure and honestly i was born in 85 and even for richie and i at the time you know it was definitely my uh, my co-host richie uh at the time you know when we watched the show originally things were flying over our heads and one of the cool things about our podcast is we get to kind of revisit these jokes and and these pop culture references now shit 20 years removed with so much more uh life experience and knowledge and just you know a different a different outlook on life and sometimes seeing these jokes an episode that may have been really funny as a as a kid is still really funny but for a completely different reason and we also find that the simpsons has a lot of heart which we kind of picked up on as kids but there are some incredibly touching moments that I just don't think a child has the compassion yet or has the the experience to really grasp at a young age. Oh, yeah. Big time. I, I talked about this on another podcast I was on, but like Simpsons season one was the first DVD I ever bought. That's awesome. It's so like as a child, like watching that kind of thing, I didn't really pick up on a lot of the uh, emotional stuff, even from episode one with like Santa's little helper. Yeah, and the sacrifice that Homer makes to, you know, go and work the extra job as a mall Santa, which he clearly hates, just trying to salvage his Christmas so he can buy his kids presents. Exactly. So this week, we covered Clerks, the TV show, which, (laughs) according to the YouTube description, 
was also known as Saved by the Clerks. Oh, I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah, I was trying to distract myself from the actual <laughs> show. So I kind of read the description as it was playing. That was one of the things said in it. I got to ask you real quick. Is this the first time you've watched the show? Like, were you aware of this before we discussed this for your podcast? I was not. So this was actually an episode. This this pilot episode was originally supposed to be included in the Clerks X DVD release, which was the 10 year anniversary. And I am a huge Kevin Smith fan. So I was actually really kind of bummed out to find that they decided last minute to remove it from the box set because I was actually excited to watch it. So I had previously tracked it down quite a while ago, like with like five or seven years ago, somewhere in that time frame. And I can understand now why they decided not to include it on the box set. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) It is a travesty. (laughs) Like there's a joke early on about tanning causing cancer no this show causes cancer (laughs) yeah well and what a waste because they actually have some pretty good talent in here like uh that scene you were just referencing uh was featuring carrie russell who went on to do much better things than this uh and just such a stupid character in this episode no i think it's the lotion that causes it (laughs) i have such a unique (laughs) outlook on life yeah so um kevin smith actually tried to intervene and like write for this show. Oh, really? Allegedly. Yep. And uh, they rejected his scripts. So he was like, you know what? You can't use uh, Jay or Silent Bob. I own the rights to those, which is why we have Ray in the show and not Jay. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did hear that the actors that originally played the... um, the the clerks and clerks which i'm i know it's brian o'halloran and i can't remember who plays uh jeff anderson i believe plays uh randall in the film they actually both auditioned for this pilot to play their roles and were rejected which i find just frustrating and mind-blowing all at the same time though they themselves have gone on record saying after they saw what they ended up producing they were like that was the biggest bullet dodge ever oh yeah big time It's like super baffling that they wouldn't want the people that were actually in these roles originally. Yeah, it's like that's just put up for you on a platter because usually it's the opposite. Usually it's like the studio or the producers would love to get the original actors, but they can't afford them or they can't, you know, get them for whatever reason. These two guys really never I mean, they've made a great career for themselves. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to dog on them, but they weren't really mainstream actors. I mean, other than Kevin Smith films, they haven't done a ton for other films. So the fact that they had the opportunity to pick these two up and to to take on their iconic role would have been a lot of fun if they would have changed the tone. But as I'm sure we're going to discuss everything about this episode, everything about this pilot is just so far removed from what Kevin Smith created with the film Clerks. Oh, yeah. Especially since it's going from like an R-rated movie to kind of like a TV PG type of TV show. Yeah, a very childlike humor in a lot of sense. uh, Just, you know, they barely, they feature like beer as being the extreme, like, oh, we're going to get drunk and party at the convenience store and that's like the most wild or quote like r-rated you could you could say this even attempts to get right it's like the last season of boy meets world (laughs) i love boy meets world for what it's worth that's another one of my absolute like guilty pleasure go back and watch all the time shows 
Oh, it's such a good show. It's like so it's like good. it's like when Topanga and Corey get married and they're about to have sex and then the cops burst in to like stop them. Oh yeah, the worst honeymoon ever. Exactly. It's but like, then they go on a pretty dope honeymoon to Hawaii and, you know, make coconuts out of their that look like their friends or whatever. So it all works out in the end. It does, but not for clerks. Doesn't work out for clerks. <laughs> not for clerks. It, not until the sequel do we uh, do we get a actual good return to the series. Right. So let's get into the into the pilot. So it starts off with a very very short scene of Dante, Randall, Todd, and Sandra, who all kind of work in this little plaza. They're all in the convenience store, and Sandra's going on about how like. Oh, everybody thinks tanning causes cancer, but it doesn't. And they're like, well, what do you think causes cancer? Oh, it's the lotion, because everyone that tans uses lotion. <laughs> like you said earlier. Yeah. And then Randall kind of does this thing where he goes like he rubs his face and goes like, oh, no, I'm melting. Oh, and that right there is the biggest problem with this show, period. And for what it's worth, I actually enjoyed Jim Brewer's comedy when I stand up, some of his antics and sketch I enjoyed. But casting Jim Brewer as Randall was the biggest travesty of this show because he is so like zany and cartoony compared to what the character of Randall should be. Yeah, like I love Jim Brewer. Don't get me wrong, but like yeah, he's this great, is definitely... but not as Randall. <laughs> exactly. This is like. A waste of his talents. It really is. And actually, uh, speaking of wasted talent, I, I want to shout out Rick Gomez in this because Todd, it, the ice cream vendor character, is yet another character that is way overcast because Rick Gomez is one of those guys that if you look at his IMDb page, he's literally been in like everything. I mean, uh, he was in the Transformers movies. He was in uh, Sin City. And if you are a fan, you might honestly be too young for this one. But when I was growing up in the 90s, there's a show on Nickelodeon called The Adventures of Pete and Pete, which is one of my all-time favorite shows. And Rick Gomez actually played the bully, Endless Mike, in that series. You know, I was wondering who he was. Like, it was in the back of my mind, like, I've recognized this guy. Oh, you've probably seen him in so many things. Oh, Yeah. Like, you just, like, made it click. I think I've seen him in Transformers, and I definitely have seen him in Pete and Pete. Oh, Pete and Pete is such a good show. Oh, yeah. So, there's, like, that short scene kind of ends. It's a very, like, weird, like, non-sequential scene that doesn't really have any effect on the show whatsoever. It's kind of supposed to be, like, a cold open, but not. It's a really weird choice to be the very first thing you present to your audience. Right. Like these kind of characters arguing about cancer, essentially. Which I guess they were trying to go with the idea that that's, I mean, largely the Clerks movie was just these random conversations that you might have on a boring shift at a really shitty job. But again, I think when we reflect that from an R-rated setting that was actually well-written by somebody as talented as Kevin Smith, and then you bring it to this just watered down PG, honestly, just silly at, at most of the time, silly concepts. And, and they just kind of it's a very generic sitcom in a, in a lot of ways. It's like super generic, especially we'll get into it later. But there's a very, very like sitcom moment later before our commercial break. But we'll get into that. So after this, it kind of like fades out and then fades back in. And 
Randall, Todd, and Dante are all hanging out in uh, the convenience store where Dante works. And Dante's like, why don't you guys, you know, go back to your own stores? Oh, they know where to find us. (laughs) And some guy comes in going like, where's the ice cream guy? I haven't seen him. Yeah. Todd covers his name tag and says, haven't seen him. (laughs) And then Veronica comes in and she's like, oh, did you remember to get the night off to Dante? And Dante's like, oh, whoops. Well, I done goofed. You know, (laughs) classic sitcom trope. Exactly. And she's like, I reminded you to get the night off five times. And he goes, well, I'm not blaming you. I actually did somewhat like that joke. There's a few like like glimmers of jokes that could have been like that's just on the cusp of being like hilarious. It, it at least got it. There's several moments in this pilot. I'll say they got a chuckle out of me. And that was definitely one of them. Oh, same. That was like just like it was like on the verge of like past a giggle. <laughs> yeah. But not not a guffaw by any means. Not a guffaw. <laughs> Nowhere near a guffaw. <laughs> so she's kind of, you know, annoyed and kind of goes off on him like, you know, you need to kind of aspire to be more. And he's like, well, you know, this job is harder than it looks. Slurpees don't just happen. And she goes, OK, well, what are we going to do about our date? So they go to the video store where Randall works for dinner and a movie. And. Todd and Randall are there and they have, I think it's burritos, which I'm guessing they got from the convenience store. Yeah, they're those microwavable burritos for sure. And uh, she's like, oh, wow, great. Dinner and a movie. What's next? Sex in a car. (laughs) And Dante pulls up his keys and goes, you're in luck. Yeah, that's pretty bad. There's way better ways to say that joke. Yeah, but I am ashamed of myself. I did chuckle at that. That's fair. I mean, it. Th- that's the thing is when you have a sitcom this generic, you're going to find things to laugh at. But there's there's absolutely no anything to this. There's no there's no actual meat to this. It's all just these generic tropes that you see so often. And it, it you know, yeah, g- giggling is one thing, but there's not a single character in this that you feel connected to or invested in. Uh, there's not a character that kind of stands out at all. Like even thinking about a show, uh, I don't know why I jumped here. Maybe it's the uh, the scene at the water tower we're going to get to later. But if you look at a show like that 70s show, which honestly, it's an OK show. It's really pretty decent early on. And then it kind of fades out the longer it goes, which also tends to happen. But in that first episode, there's immediately standout characters. You might not necessarily be entirely invested in the Eric Form- Eric Foreman and Donna storyline, but you've got Kelso, who is this great character, and you've also got Hyde, who is on the opposite spectrum. And it seems like these characters are almost supposed to, to some extent, follow those same sort of models, but they're just not memorable in any way, shape, or form. Oh, yeah. And can I say, when you said, like, it reminded you of another sitcom and you brought up the water tower, I immediately went to that 70s show as well. <laughs> yeah, it popped in my head like first thing. So I went with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's like the show I remember having a water tower scene. Yeah, I can't honestly think of another series off the top of my head that has a water tower scene now that you mentioned that. That is the <laughs> that is the only other one. And now I'm That's trying to think, did that 70s show steal that from the canceled clerks pilot? <laughs> <laughs> the only thing yeah. that's gone. It's, it's true legacy. 
Yeah, no, Topher Grace was like digging <laughs> through the archives. <laughs> One of them just is diehard Kevin Smith fan. And, they, you know, it's like the person who loves a band that they get all their like B track and like rehearsal performances and they have everything. Somebody on that cast had the clerk's pilot on like a shitty VHS copy. And they're just like, dudes, I got this great idea for our show. We should go get drunk and spray paint the water tower. <laughs> now, if you were to guess... Who on that cast do you think would have that? Who would? Oh, if it was going to be on the 70s show cast? Yeah, I would probably go with. I can't think of his actual name, but the the I think it's Danny something that plays Hyde would Danny be my Masterson. guess. Yeah, Danny Masterson. Thank you. That would be my guess. I don't know why. I'm just going with my gut on that one. It seems like that um, in real life. He's a piece of shit with everything that's come out recently, but he does seem like the time of guy, type of guy that would have that. I have, you know, I don't necessarily, I'm not the best at keeping up with like modern day celebrity gossip. So I'll be honest, I didn't realize that there is any controversy with Danny Masterson recently. I'll have to uh, Google that after the show. Yeah, I'm not going to bring it up here, but yeah, like, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. I'll, I'll figure out what the hell we're talking about right now. Yeah. See, I feel like it'd be either not that great of an actor. I'll just go ahead and throw that out. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm with you, though. It'd either be him or Topher Grace. Yeah, I would see that, too. Definitely. So while um, Veronica and Dante and also Randall and Todd are on the uh, movie date, Dante's dad comes by to talk to him. So he essentially says, like, hey, I have a job interview for you. And Dante says, let me guess, you got me a job interview with your friend. Well, no. It was just a guy in the elevator who asked me why I was sobbing. <laughs> yeah. Which I did laugh. Yeah, it's a chuckle. Yep, that was a good one. Though at the same time, this whole sequence just kind of made me wonder, how old is Dante supposed to be? And why is his dad so involved with his life at this point? Like that, that seemed a little strange, but maybe that's just, you know, my background. That wasn't how it was for me. But uh, it seemed odd to me that, that Dante, I presume, is like 25-ish, I would say, like somewhere in that area. And it's just, you know, his dad is like babying him at this point. It, it It's once again, to me, just another sign that it's a, a very generic sitcom. And they're like, well, we're going to need more than just the girlfriend harassing Dante or it's going to get really old really fast. So I guess uh, his dad, that'll be fine. I didn't even think about that, but you are absolutely right. Because um, Cliff, who comes in later, was in high school with Dante and Veronica, and he says he just graduated college. So that's got to be at least four years. Exactly. So like the fact that he's like 23, 24 years old and like his dad is pestering him like this. Yeah, it seems a little strange, but and I guess it just comes down to they're trying to set up that the dad is so ashamed of his worthless employed son. <laughs> it could be yeah. a lot. It could be a lot worse, dad. Yeah, his son's not like addicted to crack. Right. Yeah, exactly. He's he's seemingly, you know, maybe a little immature, but at the same time, he's fucking 25 at best. You're not really you don't need to be that mature at 25. You still got lots of time to figure shit out. Oh, yeah. Like 30 is kind of like the tipping point. Oh, whoa. Now, buddy, now you're now you're throwing shade. I still have no fucking <laughs> clue. And I'm 32. So I do every decade you get. It's just like, yeah, well, I don't really know what this life thing is all about. But uh, you don't really have to worry about it till you're 40. And I'm sure 40 year old. Yeah, I'm sure 40 year olds are saying the same thing about being 50. And it just goes on until we die. You got a point there. <laughs> <laughs> 
we'll put we'll push the uh we'll push it off to 40 there we go that, make, that <laughs> makes me a little bit more comfortable there you go <laughs> so um then we cut back to todd randall and veronica in the movie rental store and they're both arguing like this movie blows well i think it sucks <laughs> well you know parts suck and parts blow and Veronica's like, oh, shut up. I just, just want to watch the movie. shut the fuck up. I want to watch Little Women. It's like the chick. It's the quintessential chick flick of the 90s. She's never seen it. And these two buffoons are ruining it for her. Exactly. So um, after that, we uh, cut to Dante in the convenience store. And Ray, who, like I mentioned earlier, is supposed to be Jay of Jay and Silent Bob. Honestly, I didn't like he's such a one dimensional, terrible character, even though their names rhyme. I didn't even remotely make that connection. That's definitely fair, because literally his only trait in this pilot is that he tries to steal shit from the convenience store. To be fair, one of the scenes I actually laughed the loudest at was the post credit scene that we'll get to here with it that, that heavily features him. I actually thought that was really funny. But yeah. Literally stealing shit. That's that's what his character comes down to. Yep. So he tries to uh, take beer out and Dante is just like, oh, putting on a little weight there, Ray, because he's got everything stuck in his coat. And he's very clearly like holding himself so it doesn't fall out of his jacket. Right. And he's like, you know, the law, no fake ID, no beer. I actually like that joke, too. <laughs> I did, too. I was about to say <laughs> I, I did enjoy that joke. And then Cliff shows up. Cliff went to school with Dante and recognizes him. And he's like, oh, I really admire how you never got caught up in the whole dignity thing. What a dick thing to say to a guy, man, especially when we learn their history. This guy deserved to be punched in the face. Oh, yeah, because their history is that they went to go spray painted a uh, water tower and Cliff narked on Dante when the cops showed up. So the fact that he kind of threw Dante under the bus and then went on to kind of a supposedly successful life, he's supposed to start working at a law firm. It's a total dick move. Yeah. And I mean, again, just people are so judgy in general. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you work in a convenience store and you're unhappy, you should work to like move on. But frankly, if he's happy where he is, why do people have to judge him so much? He's, you know, productive and shit. We talked about that earlier. Like, chill out, man. If you want to go to law school, cool. But like, don't be a hater. Jesus. Exactly. He's paying his bills. He's happy. He's got a girlfriend. He's got good. a best friend. Yeah, they work in the same proximity. It seems like a relatively cool way to spend your 20s, honestly. Exactly. So um, Veronica comes out and Cliff kind of sort of starts flirting with her a little bit. And Dante sends him out like, oh, got to send you out. We're closing. Well, I thought this was a 24 hour store. Well, yeah, but not at night. Exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> That was a good joke. I did appreciate that joke. Yeah, that one made me laugh, too. Again, there's moments throughout this show that are laughable. I mean, they're, they're not in a bad way. Well, there's many moments that are laughable, but I mean, there are many moments that are actually funny in the sense that you'll, you'll get a chuckle. But I can't stress enough, even though there are these moments we laugh at, these characters are just so bad. It's just the little punchlines that'll get the slight rise out of you. And that might just be so that you don't go insane trying to get through the end of the 23 minutes. Yeah, I will say I did have to pause it several times <laughs> and take breaks. It was brutal. So this is when we find out that Cliff knocked on Dante because Dante tells everybody. And Veronica's like, oh, come on, he's nice. He's motivated. And Todd barges in and goes, he's got sick. 
he's got a uh, silken hair that's begging to be touched. What? Tell me I'm wrong. Exactly. And then <laughs> Randall looks at him and goes, I want to, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. And again, there's something funny about that. But ultimately, it's few and far between moments. And then we cut to uh, commercial, I'd presume, because it fades to black. When we come back, Dante is on a payphone calling Veronica. And it turns out he's left a lot of messages because she hasn't called him back. And he and Randall are chatting like, well, she did say something about me not participating in my own life, but I wasn't paying attention. And he's like, well, maybe I should kind of better myself, get a real job. And Randall comes in, and goes, oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. I was thinking about pie. <laughs> yeah, this this whole sequence here, I just laugh at because it's so 90s. The whole payphone calling an answering machine trope like these things don't exist anymore. And it's just really funny to me that that's something that used to exist in almost every sitcom. There would be a sequence like this where there'd be some sort of misunderstanding. Like I can think back and I know for certain uh, there's a sequence in Friends that is very, very similar to this. And I'm sure if you look back to any of the sitcoms of this era, they're all going to have that moment where there's a misunderstanding and somebody is leaving a message from a payphone. I miss the 90s, man. The 90s are the best, <laughs> dude. Like, yeah, I still uh, essentially just refuse to leave them. So I just kind of stay there and it's great. But yeah, this whole technology thing just keeps advancing past it. And man, people have terrible taste, I'm discovering. I, I already yeah. sound like a crotchety old man. So I'm, I'm, you know, starting young. But I'll worry about that when I'm 40. Uh, with I'm with you. <laughs> like, no offense, I'm younger than you. But like, I'm in the exact same boat i'm like what the hell are these kids doing yeah yeah like, old man get off my lawn type thing <laughs> yeah these young whippersnappers need to get off my property but yeah it does baffle me that like future generations are never gonna like understand what a payphone really was yeah i think that's interesting that there's people that could you know potentially people listening to your podcast who are on the younger side already may not have a concept of what a payphone is i mean it's a pretty easy to understand concept but first you have to explain a landline and then you have to explain <laughs> the concept of like these phone boxes being just scattered all over the places i mean they were in malls they're in airports they're in convenience stores and I, you know, I, I remember a time early on when most people had cell phones, but I was poor at the time, so I did not. And I, I had to like drive down the street to find a payphone so that I could call into my work or something like that because I was sick as fuck and I was waiting tables. So I actually had to go like find a payphone to call in sick. Yeah, even the fact that there's like an entire feature film that like takes place inside a payphone. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And that came out in like the two, early 2000s uh, phone booth with Colin Farrell, right? Yep. Yeah, that, that was like 2006 or seven, And it's just like, where did they find one of these to do the filming? That was probably the <laughs> biggest part of their budget was recreating a payphone. They're like, OK, where did this million dollars get spent? Well, sir, we couldn't find a payphone. They're collector's items at this point. So we had to really pay out the ass to get one. <laughs> we found an antique store. <laughs> so uh back to the show <laughs> so dante makes the call and gets an interview and he turns to todd and says you think i made a mistake or no he turns to randall and says you think i made a mistake and randall says let me put it to you this way makes a fart noise and flails around in circles 
Yeah, and that's, again, that's where we get Jim Brewer, uh, uh, somebody who I respect and like, just I hate him so much in this role. Like, he's the one of the worst possible casting. The only person I could think of that might be a worse casting choice at this time would have been, like, Tom Green, just from, like, a zany standpoint. But it's just so out of touch with what Randall was. And, again, Randall was easily, in my opinion, the best character from the movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. And like just out of touch with like anything in general. Well, and I, <laughs> to be we, honest, we may have just I'm not sure if we're there yet or if I'm popping. But like the one scene that really bothered me with him was where he did the kind of like hanging motion where he hangs himself. And I actually the first part of that sequence, it was like, OK, that's very Randall like. But then he starts doing the flailing. And that's when it's just like, oh, oh, it's so just like you, you look like fucking bugs bunny right now the way that he's flailing around yeah it seemed like they were very much trying to get their them like an urkel type character yeah they wanted him to be like the comic relief for their comedy sitcom i guess yeah like their (laughs) signature character (laughs) so then uh we cut to dante still in the convenience store talking to todd and he's trying to get ready for his interview and he's like hey todd tell me which sounds better you're not covered. You're not covered. You're not covered. So he tries it in like three different ways. And then Todd goes, "Ooh, I like that one. I really felt like I wasn't covered. Yeah, it was a really bad joke. Yeah. And then Randall comes in and is just like, hey, I have a plan to get you and Sandra together. I'm throwing a party at the video store and Sandra's going to be there. You'll be there. She'll be there. You'll both get drunk, which super, super fucked up. That's the type of thing that they used to joke about that obviously just does not fly in today's society. I mean, but if we're being honest, a big part of the college experience is getting drunk and making bad choices. But unfortunately, that all too often leads to pressure and, and, you know, and shit like that. And this very much seemed like, yeah, let's get her drunk. So she'll do something she clearly has said many times she's not interested in. It was very much a product of its time. Yes, big time. So Dante is like, I can't do this party. My interview is the next day. I can't get fired and I oh, need to use this place. come on. My dad does something super dangerous while he's hammered all the time. I can't remember what his job was, but it's another just blah, oh, yeah. joke. <laughs> yep, just another throwaway joke like that. <laughs> and he's like, I can't get fired. I need to use this place as a reference. A what? <laughs> it's like a rap sheet, but for good people. That actually was my favorite joke in the thing. It's a rap sheet, but only for good things you've done. I thought that was actually really funny. I, I did appreciate that joke. And then Randall says, like, hey, just remember the oath we took in eighth grade. Well, we do what comes easiest. Then when it gets difficult, we quit. Which is like, why are you adhering to eighth grade? Like in eighth <laughs> grade, I had like very weird, bushy dyed hair <laughs> like <laughs> eighth grade is not a good time to make life decisions no no eighth, eighth grade is definitely i think an awkward experience for most of us i can't recall exactly what my biggest things i was into was at that time but i'm sure they were really stupid oh i can tell you what mine were follow up boy and panic at the disco <laughs> Hey, though, you could actually have worse choices in life. They have that some decent, some decent tunes, and in fact, that 
first Panic at the Disco album, or at least the first one that went mainstream, I really like even to this day. You know, A Fever You Can't Sweat Out is That's still a classic. That is that is a good album. It is. So I will say, it's definitely I definitely did have good taste, not to toot my own horn. But way to go, in hindsight. Yeah, way to go, eighth but grade. Still, you might know. <laughs> just because you can pick a decent band doesn't mean that you want to necessarily have a career plan like that you're just going to stubbornly stick to for life. Exactly. Like I'm not gonna wear top hats and mascara. Like I think you could pull that look off. Oh, I thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> so we cut to the party, and Todd is trying to flirt with Sandra. And Sandra's telling the story about a guy who fell asleep in a tanning booth, and she didn't find him till five hours later when she smelt a burning sound. And he responds with, wow, a career woman that can cook. Oh, that was like such a like terrible joke that I appreciated it. Yeah, I laughed at it. Don't get me wrong, but it's just like uh, and especially again, going back to this time, this was relatively on the cusp for a tanning bed salon like they hadn't really gone as mainstream as they they would and there is a lot of fear uh during this time that they were you know very much like the jokes i mean that that's actually the thing is these were actually fairly on the nose of what society was discussing about tanning at that time but still that was something that became a a repetitive thing they use for a while in in horror movies that makes for a fun scene at first and it's just like after you've seen one body burn in a tanning bed you've seen them all Oh, yeah. Like that harkens back to like, I think it's Final Destination 2. I think it's three, three, actually. Yeah, I believe it's three. Uh, there's also a similar sequence in one of the the very terrible. Uh, it's one of the DVD urban legend movies. It's not the first urban legend movie I actually really like, but the the DVD or direct to DVD sequels weren't great. And I do remember, I think it was the Bloody Mary one actually used that again. And I, I've seen it in more than one horror movie since final destination three did it yeah it's it's become a trope at this point i think so (laughs) yeah so um we cut back to the convenience store and ray is trying to steal a bag of ice and it's very like obvious that he's got a bag of ice in in his coat and dante's like come on you're not even trying well i'm bringing this to cliff's party and he said if i bring it i can stand outside and watch veronica is there and dante's like wait what well, watch this store real quick. I'm going to go figure this whole thing out. Okay. Yeah. As soon as he leaves, Ray just stands there and goes, okay. <laughs> yeah. This was a weird bit of exposition. Like they needed, they needed some way to communicate to Dante that Veronica was at the party and, you know, that, and also that there was a party. Cause up to this point, we originally assumed that it was the convenience store party, but Ray says something along the lines of like, no, not the loser party, Cliff's party. And that's actually the first we hear of said party. So this was a, an odd choice for the character to be that that exposition transfer, I guess, to advance the plot. However, uh, I don't mind it so much just because of the joke it does set up for the end credits, which I already already mentioned I really like. Yeah, the end credits are like the shining achievement of this show. The, like, honestly, the soundtrack in this is actually really good. And that Soul Asylum track that they put over the end credits is really, really good. 
there's a, a very fun music video for that one that actually features the real Dante and Randall and Jay and Silent Bob, like in like Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. Uh, and they are playing rooftop uh, hockey with the Soul Asylum band. It's actually a really fun video. And I used to love Soul Asylum in the in the early 90s. So uh, Dante shows up at the quote unquote loser party and he's trying to get Randall to join him in his plan to kind of crash Cliff's party. And his idea is, hey, my plan can get us into serious trouble. And Randall's just like, oh, you know me so well. He grabs Todd as Sandra's just like, hey, I've always wanted to do it in a tanning bed. And Todd starts screaming because he's like, no, I lost my chance. I do like the bit where Randall smacks. He kind of freezes for a minute and Randall walks by and just smacks him in the back of the head. It's like a broken record or a, a skipping record type of thing. Yeah, where um, she mentions something. I think it's when she mentions that she wants to have sex in a tanning bed. Yeah, it like really sends him a it, it freezes him up because it's kind of what he's been dreaming of. Exactly. And he like smacks him in the head like a broken record, like you said. <laughs> so they all end up at Cliff's party. Vanilla Ice is playing. I love Vanilla Ice for what it's worth. That you know, that just goes back to those '90s roots. But I've uh, I've won a karaoke contest or two with Ice Ice Baby. I really, really love the fact that you are appreciative of Vanilla Ice because I brought this up on the Wild Pitch Derek show. Our friend Derek love the uh, Wild Pitch. Great podcast. Great podcast. Check it out if you uh, haven't yet. And I was lambasted for it because Vanilla Ice is amazing. He is amazing. <laughs> go, Ninja. Go, Ninja. Go. Exactly. No other rapper has been in a Ninja Turtle movie. That's all you need. You put that at the like, literally, you put a resume. It's a blank sheet of paper that says I was in Ninja Turtles 2. Boom. I'm sold. I don't need to see anything else. Exactly. That's how we dated Madonna. <laughs> exactly. So uh, Dante goes to Cliff and is like, this isn't like our high school parties. We used to get wild, which is then how he convinces him that they all got to go pay the tower. Well, not only that, he actually convinces them that it's his idea, which is which is the somewhat brilliant part of this plan. That's true. So Cliff and Dante are up on the tower, spray painting it. Veronica climbs up to try and like talk them down and the cops show up. Cliff is like, I can't get arrested. I'm about to be a lawyer. <laughs> and he kind of tries to run away, but he runs in a circle because it's a water tower. And he's like, well, shit, this was a terrible plan. That's what four years of law school will get you. Exactly. That and a lot of debt. <laughs> and a really boring job. Yeah. <laughs> so Dante's just like, look, I told you he was a weasel. And Veronica's just like, well, no, I knew he was a weasel. I was avoiding you because you're immature. And then... Dante decides, you know what? I'm going to take the fall for Cliff. He and Veronica get arrested and they have a conversation in the back of the cop car. And she essentially is like, I saw a glimmer of hope tonight with you taking the fall that you are going to be a responsible person. I don't want you to take this job at the insurance company. What a weird fucking stretch to make like that. Because you took the rap for uh, something that you essentially set up, you're suddenly mature enough that you don't need like a better job in her eyes. Like what? This is a, a strange decision. Also, why did she get arrested? She shouldn't have been. He tried to take the fall entirely by himself, saying they were just trying to talk him down. So 
very odd, but once again, kind of forced plot points here that they we needed these two to be in a place where they could have a conversation. And since he's getting arrested, that really limits the options that are available. Right. And even stranger, the cop pulls over and says, oh, hell, get out of here before I change my mind. Yeah, because they're so in love with each other. It just really touched his little hillbilly cop heart. Yeah. And like, also, I'm pretty sure cop cars don't open from the inside. <laughs> so he would have had to get out, physically open the door for them, unhook their handcuffs. But he just tells them, oh, get out of here. And they're, yeah, they're just, you're right. Uh, they're able to open the door freely and just walk away, which is, is again, just a strange fucking choice in this whole, whole bit. <laughs> yeah. And then we get your favorite part and one of my favorite parts, the security footage of Ray robbing the store. Dude, that's un- that's an understatement right there because he is ransacking the store. He's got like <laughs> shopping carts and he's literally tearing everything off the shelf. I mean, the beer cabinet is all by the time we catch up with them, the beer cabinet is already entirely raided and empty. And he's pulling like the like paper towels and the condiments and shit into carts. And he is just taking it all. And again, they put that really rad track, the, the Soul Asylum song over the top of that. And that is such a 90s band and a 90s song to begin with that it's a really good fit for the close of this episode plus when the credits roll that means it's over so you survived exactly (laughs) that means you're still alive (laughs) so we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with our pitches Hello, fellow skin suits. This is Angel and Ember. Deep down, do you have a secret passion for true crime, sarcasm, inappropriate jokes, but you still want to hear all those lovely details? However, you still need a little bit of humor to get you through those dark moments? Then come hang out with us over at the Color Me Dead podcast. We try to balance both humor and facts perfectly. We also go on some pretty extraordinary squirrel hunts. (laughs) We can be found on iTunes and all other podcast apps. Come over to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram and see us at Color Me Dead podcast for the latest updates and gory chat. We release on Wednesdays because on Wednesdays we wear murder. Don't forget to spay and neuter your pets and and stay stay out of chalk lines. So Miles, had this godforsaken attempt at a clerk show continued, what kind of episodes do you think we would have seen? So I think there's one obvious choice here and or to me, it seems like the route that you would go. And that would be that Dante does, in fact, take the lawyer job or the the whatever job he was going to get offered for his interview. And we kind of have this divide where Dante could still very easily like I, I would still keep the setting in the convenience store. But Dante could just be coming by after work to like hang with his friends. And this could cause some tension between him and Veronica, because on one hand, it's like he's doing what she wants. But on the other hand, he's still not having the time for her because he's always still hanging out up at the convenience store. And depending on how long the show ran, which let's be real, we're on a 13 episodes tops type of track here. <laughs> um, you know, you could have it end with him just deciding he like, you know what? I was happier at the convenience store and I hang out there anyway, so I might as well get paid for it. And, you know, hopefully have an ending with maybe Veronica accepting Dante for who he is. I think you keep the uh, same characters in terms of uh, Randall uh, in uh, what Rick Gomez is taught uh, Todd. I think you can still have those two uh, essentially always being at the convenience store for whatever reason. Maybe they actually 
honestly, it might make sense to move Todd from the ice cream store to like take Randall's job um, or Dante's job, excuse me. But that, that to me, I think has some merit. I think there'd be interesting to see Randall kind of suffering through this, uh, this real person job so to speak and even though like maybe he's getting more and more praise from his girlfriend and his father ultimately it's just leading him to unhappiness i definitely feel like that's the way this show would have gone honestly i struggled to come up with any other ideas i came out i I tried to you know just for the sake of this show i tried to come up with other ideas that we can we can talk about but that to me seems like the only real way that you can have i mean we agree i think that the main character of the show is dante and for for that you're going to need to see him struggle and overcome his struggles and simply put if he just stays in that convenience store under this setting they already did the entire veronica storyline in the first episode so it's like what are you gonna do bring another guy in and each episode it's always gonna be like but veronica i am (laughs) sure and i want to be together you should stay with me okay i can see that there's just a smidgen of maturity in you so i guess i won't go for the more successful guy yeah it definitely kind of built up his character as much as it could have been in the first episode and unfortunately, there's just not much to it. And yeah, <laughs> that's that's why I struggle to even have any other ideas, really. I think obviously the other other side of that coin would be he doesn't take the real job and he is in the convenience store all the time. But, you know, for a 90 minute movie that's R rated and has the creativity of Kevin Smith behind it, it's amazing. One of my favorite movies of all time. But on a 22 minutes per week episodic story, where do you put a story arc that makes any sense into that? Oh, yeah. No, this is going to be the type of show that would like have very episodic enclosed stories. It wouldn't be like an overarching story because they wouldn't really have anywhere to go with it. Right. You know, I also am a big fan of the Clerks animated series. I'm I'm not sure if you've seen that one, but I think that that show actually works really well. But e- even though they do go a very different direction than the Clerks movie, but in some ways, I find this Clerks pilot that we just reviewed to be too cartoonish. And I guess maybe the reason I don't hate the Clerks animated series is because it works to be cartoonish when you're actually a cartoon. Yeah, coincidentally, the uh, script that Kevin Smith wrote for a Clerks the TV show episode, he turned into a Clerks the Animated Series pilot. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Because I I think there's only like six or nine episodes of that that series. I can't remember how many, but it wasn't many. And unfortunately, it too, it too, honestly, could be a, a topic for your podcast in the future. Coincidentally, that is on the list. Ah, very (laughs) cool. Yeah. So I was thinking, you know, what's a stereotypical sitcom kind of trope? So I'm thinking Dante and Veronica film a sex tape, which, you know, she's kind of she's skeptical of, but they do it. And then Randall picks it up, thinking it's a copy of Balto that Dante rented. Forgive my uh, chronological order. I don't remember the year Balto was released, but I feel like it was before 1995. I feel like that's fair. Sure. So Dante takes it because he's like, oh, you know, Rand- or Ra- Randall takes it because he's like, Dante never returned it. 
I need to put this back in the store. And someone rents it. So Randall and Dante have this huge argument like, oh shit, we need to find who rented this before they watch it. And they're trying to kind of keep this hidden from Veronica. And then Veronica finds out. And then they all go to the house that rented it. And the kid opens the door and goes, you're from the movie. And they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> that's that's a pretty clever idea. I could, but again, like you mentioned, though, that's good for an episode. And then it's just like, well, now we got to do another generic sitcom trope because the sex tape in the 90s on VHS was always something that was happening again. I mentioned Friends earlier, but that definitely happens for uh, I think it was Ross and Rachel, if I remember correctly. And that would make so much sense for Dante and Veronica to have the the same storyline for as generic as this show is. I love Friends, but I could see the argument that that's somewhat generic in a lot of ways by today's standards. Oh, definitely. I also think bringing this back to a crossover with your t- your show, I'm thinking there could be a crossover with The Simpsons. So hear me out. Okay, I'm I'm curious about this one. <laughs> so this show was never picked up. Let's say hypothetically it was picked up by Fox. And Fox decided, you know what? Because Fox, okay, so Fox uh, owned Bones and Family Guy. They did a little bit of a crossover where an episode of Bones, one of the characters saw Stewie from Family Guy. I watched that. I uh, I also watched the Bones series for a while, and I remember it was a sequence where the male lead character, whose name I cannot remember, uh, was hallucinating, and he saw Stewie, if I remember right. Exactly. So I'm thinking, what if like Dante starts hallucinating that a new convenience store opens up across the street? It's the Quickie Mart. Mart. (laughs) (laughs) And Apu comes over. (laughs) That's amazing. I I mean, that's right up my alley. If you're like pitching shows for a target audience of me, I think you nailed it. (laughs) I don't know how much mainstream appeal that's going to have, but I would have to assume it would be more popular than any episode without the Simpsons being featured. Oh, definitely. And they have like their whole like supermarket sweeps type competition (laughs) between each other. And then maybe Apu loses and it's like, oh, great. Now I need to go back to Springfield. (laughs) Uh, No, I think that's a a really funny idea. And I guess it would just be maybe, you know, they, we talked about how this is somewhat G rated, but they could do some implied drug use, which, you know, uh, all they have to do is tag on a public service announcement at the end, and you can do whatever you want in a 90s sitcom. So they could straight up be doing drugs, hallucinating about a poo opening up, and we could find out at the end of the episode that they, as they're coming down, that it was just all in their heads the entire time. So you get that ultimate sitcom reset. Oh, yeah. Or like maybe like somebody robbed the store and like bonked uh, Dante on the head. And this is like his... <laughs> All a dream. Well, that's an idea. Now that you say that, maybe they could do something where if this series did get picked up, they could have in every single episode, the store gets robbed. So we had Ray do it in the first (laughs) one. Uh, In the Apu episode, it could be while they're all drugged out. In the the one you had brought up earlier with the sex tape, it could be they were so preoccupied that – or, or possibly even they're discussing it in the the rent, the movie rental place, and there's a customer there who's kind of like, hmm, the Quickie Mart will be unattended, will it? And runs over there and steals <laughs> it. And they should just make that like a reoccurring joke that they do on every episode. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any other pitches? You know, honestly, I think we had got as much creativity milked out of this thing as we really can. I, I think the show is doomed from the get-go when they made the choices. For one, 
without Kevin Smith's involvement with Kevin Smith's characters, it just doesn't work, I don't think. And they shot themselves ultimately in the foot by trying to hire other actors that just didn't fit the characters that were created. I think it would have been an entirely different show had we got the original actors and maybe maybe they could have made something work. But again, ultimately, I just don't think Clerks is designed for a sitcom. I don't think a family-friendly 22-minute series has any legs, no matter how you cut it. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's definitely not fit for like a network sitcom type thing. Maybe like Comedy Central. Right. Maybe modern day now that cable is a lot more prevalent. You know, even something like Adult Swim, which has gone out and done shows that aren't cartoons now. Uh, every once in a while, you can you could even hit something like that up, and I think it would be possible. But ultimately, in that format, it was doomed from the get go. Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm actually surprised to see it has a 5.3 out of 10 rating on IMDb. I would have expected it to be lower than that, and I have to expect, even though I am a Kevin Smith diehard, I'm not one of those people that's like going to go like, no, I'm giving this a 10 just because I love Kevin Smith. Like it, this. I would rate this like between a three and a four, I would have to say, honestly, if I uh, if I was rating it, because it's just it's there's nothing to it. There's no substance. There's literally nothing to it. I would probably give it a two. OK, so you're even more harsh than I am. But yeah, I think five point oh, yeah. three is inflated for for certain. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, um, Miles, thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me on, dude. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. And if people want to find you and your show, how can they find you guys? I am at Mr. Most Days Off pretty much everywhere, and I'm the host of the Best Darn Diddly Review Show. That's at Best Darn Diddly. You can find all of our episodes at bestdarndiddly.com. And basically, if you are a Simpsons fan or ever have been a Simpsons fan, I think you'll dig our show. So come and check it out. Definitely check it out. I love their show. They always do very in-depth recaps. They always kind of give you kind of behind the scenes kind of things with it. They always listen to the commentaries and stuff. Um, there was, I believe it was uh, the monorail episode where you guys kind of sang every single song that was in there. Yeah. Anytime there's a song, we, uh, we have a lot of fun with the music in the Simpsons. There's some classic songs, monorail. We had the pleasure of having the derailers on with us and Holy crap. That was a clusterfuck, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you got a glimpse of that with our, who needs the quickie mart. Bit <laughs> yeah, that, that's it right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, check them out. Um, check us out. We're uh, at on our podcast on Twitter. Same on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. All that fun stuff. But other than that, I am Ed, and I'm Miles. And just remember, some things are better left unaired. Bye. Holy sidetracking, guys! The train just came off the tracks. <laughs> Be sure to follow The Derailers on Twitter at The Derailers. And make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube so you can catch the episode next week, folks. Same derailment time, same derailment channel. <laughs> <laughs>